everyone. I'm uh, Darren Olivia from uh, Adams and Adams' office based in Johannesburg in Santon. I'm an IP lawyer. I've been doing this for about 20 odd years. I'm joined in the studio by two fantastic people in my team, Lita and Maureen. I'll leave them to introduce themselves in a moment. Uh, what we're going to talk about is intellectual property for entrepreneurs. Um, in this uh, particular podcast, uh, we had a, a wonderful um, IP evening series where we were educating uh, in Villacasi Street in Soweto. And what we're going to try and bring to you is some of the uh, top tips uh, for IT entrepreneurs uh, from that particular talk. Um, in particular, um, we want to look at the interface between intellectual property and entrepreneurs, what they should be thinking about, how they can make money using uh, intellectual property, how they can preserve uh, and protect their uh, innovation and uh, basically how it can um, help them uh, in their businesses. Uh, the one thing we wanted, we, we've noticed is that uh, IP is often overlooked. People think it's something uh, for lawyers, very expensive, and we want to debunk that. So what we're going to do is use some uh, props, the Coca-Cola bottle. We're going to look at the monkey selfie, the one, uh, the, the big story that's been hitting the, the – the, the news networks about this uh, monkey that took a selfie of himself and who owns the rights and the copyright in, in the monkey. Um, and we'll also look at uh, Donald Trump's kofefe to try and bring <laughs> these things across to you um, in, a, in a lighthearted way. Hopefully it's educational. So without further ado from me, I'm going to just hand over to Maureen just to introduce herself and, and perhaps Lita as well. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Or Good day. Um, my name is Maureen. I've been working in the Santon uh, office, uh, doing IP for about three years. I uh, specialize, you know, in uh, trademark uh, litigation and protection, as well as the prosecution and enforce, um, filing of trademarks, as well as IP com- commercialization. Lita. Hey, I'm Lita Miti Kamata. Um, I work with Maureen and Darren. Um, specializing in intellectual property for about seven years now. Um, do pretty much what Maureen does um, in terms of brand enforcement, uh, brand protection, and management of brands, really, and um, helping clients commercialize or create value out of their brands. I'm quite passionate about the pro bono space, um, working that uh, space quite often, uh, where we come in and we help um entrepreneurs and startups um, to recognize IP within their business, to protect that IP and hopefully use that. At no charge? At no charge, yes. Wow. Can I get your services for no charge? <laughs> no, not at this phrase at moment, no. <laughs> How do you qualify for your, for your pro bono project? Well, um, you fill in a form, what we call um, our pro bono application form, uh, where we request information typically to check whether you do have an established business or not. Um, is your bank balance healthy or not? Um, and if you meet that criteria, essentially, then we can offer those um, services. But if your bank balance is healthy, why do you need pro bono services? I mean, pro bono means for free. Yeah, let's get a little Latin here. Okay. Yes. So um, what what do you mean by a healthy bank balance? Well, if you're making over 150,000 rand um, a month in your business, um, then we certainly can't help you on a pro bono basis. Yeah. But um, if you find that you can't allocate enough um, resources for legal help um, for us to do it at a normal charge, then we can probably sit down on the table and help you strategize and plan out your budget as to how we can help you um, protect your um, intellectual property in a cost-effective manner yeah. that is suitable to your business. And how many of these instructions do you get? How many how many matters are do you do pro bono work for? On average, about three to four per month. Per month. Yes. And then you've been running the project for how long? Um, 2014. 
three so years three, now. So three years. So it's yeah. quite formidable. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know how to get hold of Lito if you want some pro bono services. But what we're looking at here in entrepreneurs who – Many of them have got innovative ideas. Many of them have got bank balances or balance sheets at above 150,000 rand, but maybe not listed on on the stock exchange uh, and have huge amounts of funding. And what we're trying to do, I think, uh, Maureen, is is to try and educate what – is the minimum? What are the IP considerations for entrepreneurs? So let's 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 look at a uh, identifying what is intellectual property. Uh, let's have a let's talk about this Coca-Cola bottle, the famous Coca-Cola bottle. There it sits um, in your mind. It's uh, you 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 visualizing the shape. It's a screw top or even a, a lift off bottle. Uh, it's got the distinctive script. It's red or it's uh, of see through color. Uh, it's got that wave underneath it. Um, what are the IP rights, Maureen, that relate to that bottle? Can you go through at least one or two of them and we'll see what we can take it from there? Okay, sure. Right. So um, if you visualize the, the bottle, you'll see that it's, it's a shape. It, the shape of it um, is in a very distinctive form or manner. Um, that in itself can function as a trademark and you can apply and register for, for the shape of a bottle. Um, as well as the script on the writing, um, on the label of the trademark, the Coca-Cola in that script and font, that is registrable as a trademark as well. Um, the label in itself ca- um, can also be um, registered as a trademark as it appears like, like that. You just um, you know, take that actual label and, and apply for that as a trademark as well. So how do you go about applying for it as a trademark? What do you do? Okay, so essentially you, um, we, they, we have what we call a, a form TM1 where we apply, where we, um, file for the trademark and we, we actually put a graphic representation of the trademark on this form. Um, when applying for the trademark, uh, we send it through to the registry, um, and it goes through a, a process, um, Essentially, about a trademark takes about three years to get registered. Three years? Yeah, it's quite, uh, it's a bit of a process, yes. However, look, I <laughs> Why mean, would it's, I want to get a trademark. It's worthwhile. It's Why? absolutely Why worthwhile. worthwhile. So look, let's, let's just go through the quick process. Okay. We file for the trademark. Um, the trademark will then get examined by the registry. They will let you know, look, yes, you can proceed with the trademark or perhaps there's something on the register already and they say, no, you can't have the trademark or perhaps you can have it, um, have the trademark, um, depending on certain conditions. Um, once we've gone through that hurdle, then it, the trademark will either be accepted. Um, and if it's accepted, hopefully, then it will go through to, um, get advertised. Now this is, this period is about a three month period where the, um, trademark is advertised for any third parties to object to the trademark if they feel that they, your trademark is similar to to theirs or identical, or perhaps they've been using a trademark um, for however long, much longer than perhaps you have, and they have rights essentially to that particular trademark. Once that per, um, three months uh, three month period goes uh, is over, a trademark will then proceed through to registration. So yes, it is it is a bit of a long process. However, I mean it has to go through its own. Um, but three years is a very long time. Lita, yeah. why would one get a registered trademark? Because it's a title deed to your brand. Yeah. If you have that registered trademark, you mm-hmm. can tell people, hey, back off. I've got yeah. this registered. You mm-hmm. can't use something identical or similar mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what I've got. But what do I do for three years? Yeah, You use it for three years yeah. in the yes. meantime. But do well. I get any protection for it in three years? Certainly. Yeah. If you manage to use that brand um, mm-hmm. or trademark, 
um, and you acquire a reputation in it, mm. um, then you can certainly assert your rights against mm. somebody else who comes and uses something that creates confusion in the market mm. where people start to think that they're associated with you mm. um, or, you know, there's some type of uh, um, endorsement by mm. you on their brands, which is not the case. Yeah. Um, so certainly if you use it and you manage to get a reputation, mm. you are in a position to... Okay, yeah. but I and, use it in Johannesburg here and, and, and someone infringes my trademark down in, in Cape Town or passes off. What's passing off? Passing off is um, when someone uses um, a trademark or a brand or a get-up um, that's uh, perhaps similar to yours or has elements that are similar to yours that creates the impression that there's an association between you and that other person, which is not the case. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that wouldn't be the case. If we're using an own my reputations in Johannesburg mm-hmm. and someone uses it in Cape Town, they would not be confused because I don't have a reputation case. Certainly, mm-hmm. yes, so that, yes. So reputation is quite a geographical mm-hmm. thing to mm-hmm. the extent that you can show. And a registered trademark, would that be the that's same? National. That's national. So it's no. automatically national. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the advantages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just to add in there, sorry, Darren, just to add in, um, your filing date is, is of utmost importance. Um, once your trademark is registered, then you have the right to claim back, if you're going to sue someone, claim back your damages from the date of, of your filing uh, of the trademark. So that, that's why that, that filing date is of such importance um, that registration actually is effective from the date of, of your filing. Okay, so although it takes three years to become registered, mm. it's backdated effectively yeah, the protection right. from the filing date, that's which right. means that if there's infringement in the meantime, mm. you can send a letter putting them on notice that's saying, yes. hey, stop using your brand, yes. you're living in Cape Town, I've, I'm the dude with the registered trademark, yes. I was first to register, mm-hmm. therefore I have rights. So that's, yes. that's yeah. it. Oh, and it's registered, I'll come after you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about when you go after someone, let's just quickly talk about that. What, what are you mm-hmm. looking for? Are you looking for, what, what, what does the law give you? What are the, you know, there, I think there are four things, are they right? You want to stop? What else can you do? Right. Okay. So your remedies essentially, um, you're looking at your damages. So you can claim damages from the party. So you have to indicate and show that what loss you've actually acquired from the time that the infringement has been, has begun. Um, essentially you can also stop the person from continuing with the infringement as well. Um, and you can also get, um, delivery or of the goods or services if it is then you just um, get something back so you just retain or get it um, out of their control um, yeah yeah. And the costs, and surely. If you go and go to court, it's going to cost you well, money. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But now this is, you know, so you go to court, it costs money. Um, and you said you're going to get damages back. What, mm. do, what do you mean by that? Is it, surely it's difficult to show damages from through the infringement of a trademark. Yeah, that's right. It is, um, it is quite difficult. However, if you can show, um, loss of sales, um, uh, loss of sales and just, um, even if you show evidence of, um, uh, people who are, for example, confused, um, they send through emails and say, Hey, I don't like your product because I bought a similar one to you or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. just anything that shows that you have had, there's been a decrease in, in, in your product and people's faith in your product and also monetary you know, um, indication of, of what you've lost. Yeah. Alternatively, if you can't show um, actual loss of money, mm-hmm. you can claim 
um, royalties. Mm-hmm. So what a person who would have been authorized to Please. use your brand, mm-hmm. what they would have paid you in royalties, you can claim that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if the, I mean, if the benchmark for, let's say, putting your name on a T-shirt or in the back of a T-shirt is, say, 6% of yeah. mm-hmm. net sales, you, you'd be entitled to that net Absolutely. sales. Absolutely. Okay. So the four things are you can stop them, you can get delivery up of mm-hmm. all the infringing products, yeah. you yeah. can claim a reasonable royalty or damages right. if you can show it, and you can get your costs. Costs, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so that's quite valuable. And, and that, I guess, is the value of the trademark. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Your title due to your brand, as mm-hmm. you said it before. Okay, so let's move on. We've, we've talked about trademarks. You talked about the shape of a bottle, three-dimensional mm-hmm. shape. That can be a trademark. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay, and, and what else could it be? I mean, what, could, what else could it, it, a shape qualify in terms of registered protection design yeah mm. get a registered design for the shape of the bottle that's another form of of protecting uh, shape um yeah and how would mm. you do that so you, you'd give the drawings for the design and you put it on the same kind of tm1 form or what, what more or less the, yes form yeah you just have to show a proper depiction of of the shape of the bottle and all the dimensions all, the dimensions, yeah. all sides of the shape of the bottle um, and then you submit that as well but the thing with designs though is that it has to be new mm-hmm. um, and it has to be aesthetically pleasing or have a functional, functional element, element yeah. um, so it's important that you don't go out to market with that product mm-hmm. and then try to protect it as a design afterwards right. alternatively you've gone out you can protect it as a trademark because mm-hmm. there's no um, requirement there for trademarks mm-hmm. to be new but there are difficulties in protecting shapes of trademark. You really have mm-hmm. to show that it functions as, as a trademark. Okay. So when yeah. if, you, if you saw that Coca-Cola bottle without the lettering Coca-Cola, it would mm-hmm. need you would need to know that that is a trademark. That is a Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola bottle. So that's yeah. the trademark. Mm-hmm. And then on the on the on the design side, it has to be new yeah. and, and not yes. commonplace. Yes. Right. Yes. And newness. I mean, that that's worldwide. Is that right, or just yes. in South Africa? Worldwide. Worldwide. And yeah. how would one determine if your design is new? I mean, how do they do that? They do searches, don't they? Yes, they do. Well, we typically have clients walking in and they would say, hey, I've looked on the internet. I haven't seen anything Mm -hmm. like this. You search um, what we call design registries um, on the internet. If you Mm -hmm. just type in the different ones for the UK, Mm -hmm. South Africa, etc., try to see if you can't find anything. Um, Yeah. Okay, and they are registered design databases, which we Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Getting back to the trademark, let's say I have a new trademark and and I want to um, launch my new product. And and I'm worried because someone else might have the same trademark or something similar. How do I put, how do I what step must oh, I take um, to making sure that I have the comfort that I'm not going to suddenly get a, an infringement mm. or lawyers at my doorstep asking me to stop? Well, I would say uh, okay. I'll take this. Okay, sure. um, then w- we would definitely recommend that you come to see one of us or an intellectual property lawyer. Um, and to help you do what we call a pre-clearance search. And this basically um, is searching in the national trademarks register of the region where you want to protect that brand to see if there are any identical or similar marks on register which could pose a bar to you having this registration or to you using this mark um, for your brand. Um, The search takes about five days to report. Um, It's basically going through the data of, I don't know, how many um, search results you get depending on what the word is and whether Mm. it's something that's a normal word people would use or it's something totally invented that's got nothing to do with their brand. They would typically access that and will give you what we call a search report where we analyze um, your chances of success in registering the mark um, and in being able to defend your brand in case someone sues you. Okay. Mm, yeah. And how do you check for similarity? I mean, what is it? You said similar mark. What are you, what are you looking for? 
Well, marks are considered similar depending um, on whether they're similar phonetically, how they sound, yeah. uh, visually, how they look, yeah. and conceptually, the message that they convey um, to consumers. Okay, so getting back to Coca-Cola. Right. Sorry, Darren, yes, uh, carry on. Just, just to add on to what Lita said there, um, with regards to pre-clearance searches, um, I don't know if you'll remember, I mentioned um, in the process of a trademark uh, getting registered is that it gets examined. Ideally, the pre-clearance search tries to kind of have an idea of what's on the register. So that when the registry comes back and says, yes, you may have the trademark or you may have it upon certain conditions, we can kind of predetermine or have an idea. Are we going to have any issues going forward? Um, will something come up that will stop us, that will bar us from proceeding with the trademark? The last thing you want to do is to apply for the trademark and um, you find that there's something identical on the, on, on the register and you can't have the trademark, which is a, you know, a total waste of, of, of money and funds. So ideally, you want to go through that, that clearance search, make sure that you're not infringing on anybody's rights on the register, and that will at least give you um, some comfort. comfort. Yeah. comfort. Yeah. And I guess it's another advantage of a registered trademark is your trademark will be there. So, so when others are doing these it will bar them. It will bar them. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of silently protects your, your brand. That's right. Okay. So we've moved. We've gone on to designs. We've looked at trademarks. Um, oh, one more question. How long does a trademark last? Right. So a trademark lasts for 10 years. Um, it is renewable every 10 years. Um, you have a period of six months before the actual final date and a period of six months after that final date to renew your trademark. And so it can last indefinitely. Absolutely. Can last I was indefinitely. about to say you yeah. can have it for as long as you <laughs> as want As long as it. you renew it, and yeah. And design? 15 years. Aesthetic designs. You also get functional designs and, and those are slightly different, but yeah. those are for 10 years. Yeah. Okay, so… Right, we've gone through designs. Let's, let's have a look at the content of the bottle. Now, this uh, famous Coca-Cola product, right, uh, has stood the test of time. Sorry to borrow from another product's uh, <laughs> tagline. But it, it really is, of course, very valuable and underpins some of the, the brand value in, in Coca-Cola. So how does one protect the recipe for a Coke? Okay. So um – Essentially, the recipe of, of a Coke uh, or any other you know, product per se, um, there is a trade secret in, in the recipe. Ideally, you as a, um, a producer of, this, of the goods or of, of the Coca-Cola um, drink, you will know what goes into the recipe. Okay. So it is protectable by trade secrets. Um, trade secrets essentially are, uh, it's confidential information, something that you hold uh, that has value to your business and that creates a competitive edge against other parties. Um, it is protectable by identifying firstly what is, what is deemed to be a secret. So what is the recipe? And ensuring that it is kept confidential, um, via, you can use confidentiality agreements, especially with employees. It's very important to educate your employees that this is a secret and this is what makes our business thrive. Um, and ideally you want to have, um, you know, the recipe perhaps protected in a vault or in a safe or somewhere where it is not easily accessible for anyone to get hold of. Because once you have to, once you want to show that it is a trade secret, you have to show that you take, you took reasonable steps to ensure that that product was kept a secret and that it was just not made easily accessible to everyone. So putting, um, giving non-disclosure agreements, for example, um, where you will uh, make a party make a sign that they will keep this information confidential. That is one way of, of, of keeping it. A secret marking um, the, the 
the documents as confidential. That's another way. Look at it. You know, somebody will just look at the paper and say, okay, this is not for my eyes per se. However, whatever they do with it is something else. But it, ideally you want to, you want to protect in that way. That is more also similar to, um, the KFC herbs and spices, the 11 herbs and spices. Um, they're protected in a secret vault where only certain amount of people know exactly where it is it's held and what is actually included in the, in those spices. So, yeah, so just to add on to what Mo is saying, um, a trade secret must be that, a trade Mm. secret mustn't be known by everybody, um, which means then you can't use a patent to protect that recipe. Mm. Tell me about this. I'm like confused now. (laughs) What's the difference between a patent and a trade secret? Okay, so a patent is a form of intellectual property um, that uh, protects, I think, probably the easiest way for me to explain it is if you think of how a thing works or if you think of a Coca-Cola can, how you open that... Um, the bottle, the top, yeah. Not necessarily the screw top, but that... Um, oh, sorry, that thing um, that you pop open. You can almost yeah, hear the sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so how the first of that kind would have been protected by way of a patent mm-hmm. um, kind of protects the way a thing works, if you will, um, to put it in simple terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a patent must be new. That's must very important. New, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it can't be out there worldwide. Um, you can't go to market, then want to backtrack and protect it. Um, and uh, it's a recipe you actually can't protect as a mm-hmm. patent. Um, so Why is that? Why can't we protect it, Mo? Well, I think it's in the act. It says <laughs> yeah, there's specific exclusions for patent protection and yeah. recipes are one of them. What is the other one? Do you know? I mean, business what, methods. Business methods. methods what else? Um, Software. Yes, mm. correct. That's protected okay, so by copyright. Games, mm. you know, Monopoly game, for example. Mm. You can't protect. So there's certain things you can't protect as a patent. It must be new. Mm. Yeah. Uh, again, novelty that goes throughout the world. And uh, how long does the patent last? 20, 20 years. years. 20 years. 20 okay. years. And then after that, it's a public domain. So, so why would you then choose a patent over trade secret protection? Because trade secret protection surely can protect that particular mm. trade secret for as long as you can keep it a secret, correct? Yeah. Mm. Um, how does the concept of a patent then work? So you've come up with something new and uh, qualifies for a patent. It helps the thing work. It's very powerful. Or it's a new drug and you want to patent it or you want to keep it a secret. Mm. What – is the, I suppose, why would you patent it and what is the disadvantage of patenting it? Well, if you patent it, you disclose it. And in return, you get exclusivity to that invention for a period of 20 years. Um, so other people can't use it. And if they do use it without your permission, you can go and um, sue them for patent infringement. Uh, but then after the 20-year mark, um, that's it. So you would use a patent then to have that area of exclusivity um, to kind of also foster innovation um, because patents will be built on other patents mm. um, as opposed to a trade secret, which must be kept secret. And right. like most said, in a mm. vault or wherever where very few people have access to it. So that's it. I think, I mean, the whole idea of intellectual property rights was then to foster innovation. Mm. And yeah. the, the idea of fostering that one of the, 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 the things that underpinned it is that well, disclosing innovation yeah. will create further innovation. Mm. So if you are thinking about a new uh, a new product and you can go and search a database of all these other patents mm. one you'll determine whether you might infringe anyone else's patent, absolutely but also you might get some ideas that you can use yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for your own especially ones that are called off patent which yeah. have, have mm-hmm. expired so the drug 
trade as one, for example, and, yeah. and we see various methods to try and prolong the patent. Mm, certainly. But I guess one of the advantages to having trade secret protections is that you can last. I mean, the Coca-Cola bottle, the Coca-Cola recipe has been around since around 1886, apparently, and and it's still Incredible. around allegedly mm. today in, yeah. in, a, in a vault somewhere. But yeah. um, the the idea is that it, it then is difficult to be copied or reverse engineered because it, because it is a secret. So you're looking at there at the at the clauses in your agreements, in your mm-hmm. in your employment agreements, you're yeah. looking at your non-disclosure agreements with others. You're looking at actually policing it. And I think you're looking at it being quite clever within your organisation right. of who you share the information yeah. with. Absolutely, there's nothing worse than a, than a than an ex-employee or an mm. ex-shareholder or business partner <laughs> seen sabotaging it. Yeah. your Doesn't business. Doesn't look good. It's not great. Okay, so there's there's that. I mean, getting back to the recipe, so you can't patent. You keep it a secret. Mm. What about the written form of the recipe? I mean, how does that does that protect you in any way? Yeah. So, um, form of, of another intellectual property is copyright, um, and copyright essentially protects um, what we call literary works, um, and this the the actual written form of the of the recipe will be protected by copyright. And copyright, the best part of it, it's for free. Um, it automatic automatically vests in um, the, the the author, uh, provided that you have to show certain um, requirements that it's original, that you haven't been you haven't hasn't been copied elsewhere. Um, um, and that is the work. Um, and, uh, yeah, that it, um, a person who's um, qualified in South Africa or of a convention country. Um, wait, wait, Danny, you've gone through various mm-hmm. things. Oh, right. You're talking yeah. about originality, qualified, <laughs> yes. convention countries. Okay. I mean, in very simple terms, yeah. what are you saying? You're saying if you live in South Africa. You live in South Africa. And you spend a bit of time and effort on this particular right. recipe and you just write it down. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we need to know that you will automatically get protection? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So originality is linked to whether or not you've spent some time creating. It must be of your own sweat, really. It shouldn't be slavishly copied from somewhere else. Okay. Ideally, yeah. So so let's just quickly recap. We've gone over know-how. We've gone over designs. We've gone over trademarks. We've gone over patents. Mm -hmm. And we've gone over copyright. So Mm -hmm. those… Those five forms of intellectual property right, all kind of um, reflected through the Coca-Cola product, are protections for all form of intangible rights. What intellectual property rights? What we call intellectual property rights. Right. Do you have to be intellectual to be a lawyer? No. <laughs> How do you do this stuff? I mean, you guys, what do you got? You, you've got degrees. Do you, do you have to have a degree? Yeah, uh, you do have to have your law degree, um, your LLB degree, to become a lawyer. <laughs> Um, and you can branch off after that into different fields. Um, you can be an attorney, you can be an advocate, you can be a legal advisor. Um, but your basis is really to have a law degree. Okay, um, we know yeah. lawyers are really intellectual, so that's good. <laughs> we just do this for fun. <laughs> okay, so that's so that's it all in the Coca-Cola bottle.